We're in Hebrews chapter 13. I invite you to turn there. Hebrews chapter 13. Let me sum up the book of Hebrews. We've been talking, obviously, for, 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 well, for longer than a year. We've been preaching through the book of Hebrews. Let me sum it up this way. Here's what the book of Hebrews says. You have a great high priest. And when I mean great, I mean exceptional, far better than anyone else. Not a greater, great meaning simply superior to anything else. There is, for those of us that are new creatures, a mediator between us and God, who is our great high priest, it's our Lord Jesus Christ, there is a great high priest who not only, who not only intercedes for you all the time, he ever liveth to make intercession for you. So while you're not what you want to be, he is always what you need him to be. That's one. And two, you have a great high priest who ever liveth to make intercession for you, who is pouring out into your heart and life a whole new quality of life. This is what the Holy Ghost is doing while he indwells you. The Holy Ghost is changing you from the inside out. If you're not being changed from the inside out, if you believe that your change is being made from the outside in, then give up. Then give up on that. And say, God, change my heart. Again, please rescue me from this terrible effort. Give me a new heart. Make me a new creature. And he has done that. And in many of our lives. This is, I testify. I, I can, all I can do is testify to what he's done in my life. You know, it's interesting. Uh, in my life, in, in my preaching and teaching, I typically use my life or the life of my family for object lessons. And it makes a certain amount of sense because I know my life. I'm not bragging about my life or complaining about my life. It's just I know my life, and I know the life of my children. And, and they would often lament that I do know their life because some of it makes great object lessons. Amen? And if I use some of your lives for object lessons, one, I might not be right about it, and two, you might get really upset with me. Amen? <laughs> In chapter 13, and you can write over chapter 13 if you want to, God sums up everything that's come before this. I, I know, I, I really do. It's funny, we get to chapter 13, and I really want to go back to chapter 1 and spend some time in chapter 1. I want to go back to chapter 8, spend some time in chapter 8. I want to go back to chapter 10, spend some time. Yeah, if nothing else, just those three chapters, so that you'd under, week after week after week after week, so that you'd recognize chapter 13 doesn't make any sense without chapters 1 through 12. Chapter 13, listen, if you read chapter 13 by itself, chapter 13 sounds like a how-to book that you can buy in any religious store, by the way. But God is not interested in a how-to. God is interested in this. Now that I've changed you, this is possible in your life. It is not only, listen, it is not only possible for us to live according to Hebrews chapter 13, it is meant to be the normal life of all new creatures. This kind of living. I was, this morning I was, I, I saw um, uh, something in a, I don't remember what I was reading, something I was reading, and I saw a reference to the end of, of uh, Romans. And it was talking about basically let brotherly love continue. And I, th- I was thinking over and over and over again, over and over and over again, 
The Word of God talks about loving one another over and over and over again. Talks about, you know, the Lord Jesus gives, he says, no new commandment, no new commandment. The old commandment I give you. And the old commandment was, by the way, that you'd love God with all your heart, soul, and being, and your neighbor as yourself. He said, that's, that's it. And then he said, but I do give you a new commandment. I do have a new commandment for you. And this is his new commandment, that you'd love one another as I love you. Now, what's the difference between the old commandment and the new commandment? And the, the difference between the old commandment and the new commandment is the degree to which I can now love. I can now love in a, in a, in a way that is not humanly possible. You say, how can you love like that? And the answer is, because Jesus loves like that. That's it. It is expedient. It is expedient for you that I go away. Why? Why, Jesus? Why would it be good for us that you'd leave? Because when I go, I'll send the Comforter. And the Comforter will not be with you. He will be in you. And the Holy Ghost will dwell in you. And he will change. This is the promise of God. This is the promise of God. This is the promise of God in the Old Testament. God said, I'll give you a new heart. I'll take away your stony heart. I'll give you a fleshly heart. I'll make everything different in your life. How, God? How can you make everything different inside me? I'll come live inside you. Right? Christ in you. The what? The hope of glory. How can I live a glorious life? Christ in you. Amen? Not I go to church. You should go to church. Not I'm involved in Bible studies. You should be involved in faith cometh by hearing. The Holy Ghost is going to use the word of God to, to conform you to the image of, of God. That's what he's going to use. He's going, it's not some, it's not, it's not some uh, uh, warm, fuzzy feeling that's going to make a change in your life. It's not me convincing you that you, there should be a change in your life. God is going to use his word to make a change in your life. It, it, what's remarkable is, as, I've, as I have spoken, it's like one verse after another, after another, after another. We just quote one verse after another, after another, after another, because we begin to realize more and more and more that God's word is quick and powerful. God's word doesn't need my help. God's word doesn't need your help, but you need God's word. And you need it. Oh, you have no idea how much you need the word of God. Sitting around and thinking about God is nothing like sitting around reading the word of God. Amen? When you sit around thinking about God, you get your best thoughts. What a waste of time. If you'll simply open a Bible, you say, but I don't understand everything I read. So what? Neither do I. Honestly, honestly. And the reason that that's true is because God wants to reveal these things to you in their context. And here's the remarkable thing about the Word of God. The Word of God washes away the things you used to think about if you'll let it. If you'll let the Word of God, it will cleanse your mind. It will, and here's what I mean. Listen, I'm not talking about uh, taking away pornography, that type of cleansing of the mind. I'm talking about cleansing your mind from worldly, fleshly, selfish thoughts. Well, I think God is like this. Well, so did I until I let the Word of God change the way I understood who God was. Amen? Because my best thoughts about God are very low thoughts. But the word of God reveals God to be a much greater God than I understood. And that's what the book of Hebrews says to us. He says, I know you have some understanding of how great angels are. Jesus is better. I know you have some understanding of how great Abraham was. Jesus is better. I know you have some understanding of how great Aaron was. Jesus is better. I know you have some... All of those things were snapshots. They were pictures. They were examples. Jesus is the real thing. Amen? Aaron's priesthood. It's a remarkable picture. But what's the purpose of the picture? To reveal to you what Jesus is actually doing. 
In the passage that we're going to look at, he's going to say, we have, we have a place we can go and we have a, a meat to eat that they can't partake of. We have a feast that they can't do at their altar. Why? Because that's just a picture of the truth that what we have. And here's the thing. Listen, please hear me. This is a spiritual truth. America has been robbed. No. Christianity has been robbed of many truths because of abuses of truths. Because of some people's abuse of Mary and Peter, we have lost some of the value in Mary's life and in Peter's life. We recognize that. Because of some people's abuse of the Lord's Supper, we have been robbed of the value of the Lord's Supper. Because of some people's abuse of the Holy Ghost, we have been robbed of the value, the profit, the benefit, this necessity, the critical necessity of the Holy Ghost in your life. I know I say this a great deal, and I, and I really want everyone, everybody who's hearing me now, anybody who ever listens to this sermon, I want you to understand I do not say any of this with, with a haughty spirit or with anger or malice or to be unkind. But, but rolling on the floor, foaming at the mouth, is not the power of the Holy Ghost. It's not. Peace. Not as the world gives, but as Jesus gives. Peace, joy, temperance, faith, love, mercy, long-suffering. That's the Holy Ghost. And that's a miracle. They're good words. But how much of it is really true in your heart and life? And the answer is not nearly enough. Not nearly enough. How quick do you lose your temper? How quick do you get anxious? How easily are you unsettled? And the, and the answer is, well, right now I'm doing all right. Well, I hope so. If you can't do all right sitting in this room, you're in big trouble. Right? But even now while I'm preaching, many of you are chewing on something, a bill or, or, or a dying loved one, something, you're chewing on it. Or some, some failure in somebody that you love, you're chewing on it in your heart, and it's giving you a great deal of angst, a great deal of difficulty. Why? 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 Jesus said, peace I give unto you. Not as the world gives, give I unto you. That's what God wants. to. He wants to actually set us free. How can I be set free? God can set me free. Jesus said, and if the Son of God make you free, you shall be free indeed. Really free. You know, you realize whatever sin is bound, whatever sin has power over you, you're, it's your master. Whatever is holding you and saying, you will do this, you will behave this way, you will do this, that's your master. I only need one master, and it's the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen? And here's the wonderful thing. If Jesus really is your master, if Jesus really is my master, then I am free to love you now. You understand what that means? I am free to give my life for your sake. Free. Free. Set free. No, in other words, no longer bound by my own selfishness. I am free to be able to help you to love you. Amen? No matter, what's, no matter what your need is, no matter what your own personal failure is, if you are a child of God, it is his intention to set you free from you and help you be able to help others be free from themselves. And again, the only way I can help you to be free is keep pointing to him. Amen? I'm not going to come over and set you free. Oh, you're bound by sin, brother. Let me, hold on, turn around. Let me cut those shackles. I can't. But I can say, whoa, 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 let's go see Jesus. Because he can set you free. Amen. And he can. And that's what this book is saying. 
So with that in mind, again, without having to go through, without being able to go back through all of it again, with that in mind, let's just look at a couple of verses. First of all, I want to just mention two things. Chapter 13 of Hebrews is broken largely into two sections. Largely into two sections. The first section ends in verse 17. So if you want to put a little line under verse 17 and just recognize in your mind that, that Hebrews chapter 13 runs from, from, from verse 1 to verse 17, that's one section, and then verse 18 to verse 25 is another section, okay? Now, chapters, verses excuse me, 1 through 17 are broken into two primary thoughts. There's much, much, much here, but it's two primary thoughts. And if you want to understand that, you can highlight or underline just two short verses, okay? Here's the two thoughts. Verse 1, let brotherly love continue. Just highlight or underline that and put a 1 beside it. I mean, it's already a 1, verse 1 beside it, but put your own number 1 beside it. And then number 2, over by verse 8, highlight Jesus Christ the same yesterday and today and forever, Because in the first 17 verses, God is saying to you and I over and over and over again, let brotherly love continue or trust in God's faithfulness. That's what God is saying over and over and over again. Let brotherly love continue, trust in God's faithfulness. Now, by the way, how can brotherly love continue? And the answer is because God is faithful. Amen? Yes? How can brotherly love continue? Why? Why Why would God have to continue to tell Christians to love one another? Have you met Christians? (laughs) Right? Love one another with a pure heart fervently. Why? Well, first of all, because we can. What a tremendous truth that is, that because we can. And two, because we need it. Because we need it. Now, last week we spent a great deal of time in verses 1 through 5, looking at uh, five different ways that brotherly love continues. Now this morning, what I'd like to do is starting in verse 6, I'd like to look at a few of the ways that we can recognize or see or trust in God's faithfulness. So starting in verse 6, let's start in verse 6. I'm going to read, uh, I'm going to read verse 6. I'm going to read for a little bit and then I'll stop. So that we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper, and I will not fear what man shall do unto me. Remember them which have the rule over you who have spoken unto you the word of God, whose faith follow, considering the end of their conversation, Jesus Christ, the same yesterday and today and forever. Be not carried about with divers and strange doctrines, for it is a good good thing that the heart be established with grace, not with meats, which hath not, not profited them that have been occupied with therein. For we have an altar, whereof they have no right to eat which serve the tabernacle. Father, help us. Help us to see together this morning in your word just how you want us to understand that your faithfulness matters in our lives. We thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. We may boldly say, now let me stop for just a moment. Let me describe the word boldly. There's a difference between the word bold and the word arrogant. Although you wouldn't know that to meet many independent Baptists. We are not to be arrogant. We're not to be cocky. We're not to be haughty. We're not to be superior ever, ever. 
ever, ever. Humble yourselves, therefore. It is God's desire that you and I would live a humble, joyful life. That you and I would walk in the truth and never feel superior because we have the truth. But recognize, I didn't do this, Jesus did this. If I'm walking in the light, it's because he has changed me so that I walk in the light. I have nothing to brag about, nothing to boast about, except for the fact that Christ has changed me. And if I'm going to boast about that, then let's boast where we ought to, and that's in that Jesus has changed me. Amen? Amen? It's wonderfully simple. So now let's look at this. So that we may boldly say. Now what this means, though, is this. I am bold to be able to say with confidence that this is true. Amen? I am bold in being able to say, listen, listen to what it says. That we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear what man or men shall do unto me. God's faithfulness to be my helper sets me free from all men. From all men. Amen? Now, let's talk about the context of this for just a moment. Let's just talk about the context of this for a moment. What is happening to these young Hebrew Christians in the time that this is written? And this is what's happening. They are being told, don't come back to the temple ever again. Don't. If you're going to come to the temple and talk about Jesus of Nazareth as the Christ, don't come here ever again. And good luck with your religion without our temple. And the answer is you don't need their temple. You don't need their temple. Do you understand that? You don't need a priesthood. You don't, need a, you don't need the pastor to agree with you. Now, I will be honest with you. If you can't find a church that preaches the truth, then you do have a problem. And it's probably your problem. You understand what I'm saying? Because there are Bible-believing churches in the world. And it is God's desire that there would be faithful pastors who would preach and teach the Word of God. But you can tell a faithful pastor because he keeps pointing you not to himself or to his church or to the doctrine of this church, but to the Lord Jesus Christ and the Word of God. Simple and period. The Lord Jesus Christ is your Savior. You you want to get saved? You need Jesus and a Bible. You want to grow? You need Jesus and a Bible. You need the Holy Ghost to fill your heart and life and change you from the inside out. You want to grow? You want to grow together? Come and we'll do it together. Assemble. We'll do it together. We'll help one another. We'll bear one another's burdens. We'll encourage one another. We'll provoke one another unto love and to good works because we will consider one another better than ourselves. Amen? Amen? But what we need is the Word of God in Jesus. That's what you need. Everything else is meant to help us to go forward in strength and in unity together. And by the word, not by the way, a Christian by himself is not impressive. It's not. It's not. But a, but a group of Christians in real, true unity, that's impressive. It's impressive if you can get three people to agree on anything. Amen? Yes? If you can have a group of people who have nothing in common, nothing in common, where we grew up, our favorite baseball team, right, right? Nothing in common. I mean, I mean, honestly, Yankee fans and Red Sox fans getting along gloriously together. <laughs> Only in Jesus Christ, amen? Amen. <laughs> this is, but it's wonderfully true that this can be done because that's what God is wanting to accomplish. So listen, because, because the Lord is my helper, because who's your helper? The Lord is your helper. Who's your helper? The Lord is my helper. Who's your helper? The Lord is my helper. Now, you know, I think about it. We know we have a chaplain here, a Navy chaplain. And you know, I mean, for those of you who are not in the military, those of you who are in the military understand just how hard it is 
to be a chaplain who truly believes that Jesus is the Christ and wants to emphasize this as the Bible emphasizes it, getting harder and harder and harder. Very difficult work, very difficult work. And, 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 and I, I, my hat is off to it, really, truly off to, to, to men of God who will faithfully stand by the word of God without throwing rocks, without being mean-spirited, but simply say, people, people, Jesus is the Christ. And all the religious services are not equal, and they're not all the same. Yes? Understand that? But here's the truth of the matter. How can you go to work as a Navy chaplain every single day? And the answer is this. The Lord is his helper. Amen? He doesn't have to worry about what men think. Doesn't, doesn't have to be afraid of what men think. He doesn't have to. Say, well, what if they say you can no longer do this anymore? Then they say it. Right? You can no longer do that anymore. Okay. I guess I'll go now. Right? Well, then what will he do? Well, Jesus knows what he'll do. Amen? Yes? We are, listen, if the Lord is your helper, you are free. And listen, if your attitude is, I'm better than you all, well, then that's not Jesus' attitude anyway. But if your attitude is, Jesus loves all of us. Jesus says, I am the way. There is no other way but Christ. But he said, but all men can come unto me. Amen? Yes? Who will Jesus save? Everybody. Everybody. He said, but what if their background is this? So what? What was your background before you were saved? Amen? The Lord is my helper. I don't have to be afraid of what men will do to me. And here's the real thing. If you're really set free, if you're really set free to that, then not only will you not have to worry about what people will do to you, but you will always be able to love the people while they're doing it to you. As Stephen is being stoned, he says, Lord, what? Get them. Get them, Lord. They are jerks anyway. Is that what he said? This is an ama- Listen to the words. Lay not this sin to their charge. When they stand on judgment day, I don't want you to bring this up. What does Jesus say while they're crucifying him? Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Let me just be honest with you. Do you realize that Jesus has never asked for anything that he didn't get? When Jesus says, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do, guess what? God forgave them. Amen? Unless I misunderstand, the actual crucifixion of Christ, nobody will be charged for it because Jesus said, don't charge them for this. I don't, I don't want that. Listen, there are many things in, many, in, in, in the lives of people that you love, there are many things that they will stand to judgment for, but they shouldn't be for what they did to you. Because you should be able to freely forgive them for whatever they've done for you because you did far worse to Jesus and he forgave you. Amen? So you should be able to freely forgive them, help them and love them. And if Christ has set you free, if he is your helper, then you don't have to fear what they'll do. And it's okay while they're doing it because it's all right. I understand. I understand. Do you not understand why people think you're a lunatic? When I got saved and I was talking to my friends about Jesus, I suddenly realized, wow, I sound like a lunatic. Really, to somebody who didn't know me before, if you knew what my life was before I was saved, then now I'm talking to these people about Jesus saving me from my sins and wanting to save them from their sins. This is all they could think about. Man, what happened to you? And it, it, it became, I had two, two roommates. And we, and we had a nice place. And we shared the, the, the amount of money. We shared everything. We paid for the, you know, for the rent together. We paid for the utilities together. We paid for the food together. We had one of the guys who was a great cook. And so it was, he cooked and we cleaned up afterwards. It was, it was a great thing. And when it became time to renew the lease, this is what they said. We're renewing the lease and you're not on it. And this is why. We just can't. You don't drink anymore. We feel guilty when we bring girls back to the house. We just can't live around you anymore. 
They weren't, they weren't even angry with me. Chuck, we just can't live around you anymore. And this was my attitude. I understand. If I were still where you are, I would understand you feeling this way about me. But Jesus doesn't want you to live where you are anymore. He doesn't want, he didn't want me to live there. He doesn't want you to live there. And he's willing to rescue you. But I don't have to be afraid of being put. I didn't have to be afraid of being put out. Because I knew that the Lord would take care of me, that he would watch over me, that he would provide another place for me to live. But I also didn't have to be angry with them for feeling the way that they did, because why do they feel this way? They know not what they do. Yes? Do you have, listen, do you have, listen, do you have any idea how many unsafe people around you need you to be free to love them and to help them? It doesn't mean you embrace their sin. It doesn't mean that you agree that their sin is okay because their sin isn't okay. But it, but it means that you're not better than they are. Amen? Remember them which have the rule over you. This is verse 7. Who have spoken unto you the word of God, whose faith follow, follow considering the end of their conversation. God's faithfulness to me frees me to follow others who follow God. Many years ago, I was talking to a young missionary. I was a young pastor. Younger, I guess we would say. And I don't mean that because I'm still young. I meant because I wasn't that young then. And he was about the same age as I was. And he said, you know, he said, you know, you know brother, I'm beginning to understand that, that a, re- listen, this is, a, this is a tremendous help. That, that, a, that a leader it's someone who follows God in such a way that others can follow that. Let me say it again. A leader is someone who follows God in such a way that someone else can follow that. That's what it says. Remember them that have the rule over you. And this, is, this actually means those that have to watch over your, your souls. And the idea behind this is, is, is the pastor. Remember them that have the rule over you, who have spoken unto you the word of God, whose faith follow, considering the end of their conversation. And, not, and here's the thing, this is what it's saying. This is what it's saying. The same thing that Paul says in someplace else, follow me as I follow Christ. Amen? Don't believe me because I said it. Please, don't believe me because I said it. Believe me because the word of God says it. Amen. Believe me if I point out that the word of God does say it. Believe that. That's that's the point. It says, so remember them. So God's faithfulness to me, because God is faithful in your life, it frees you to follow others who also follow God. You do not have to worry about what anybody else thinks. Let's just walk together. Let's let's walk together as we follow God. That's the point. And here's the end of their conversation. Here's the end of a godly preacher's message. Here's the end of a church that is going the direction it should. Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today, and forever. Amen? Let me, let me, just, let me just say this. Uh, April the 10th, 2016, it's, it's tomorrow. It's right around the corner. We will celebrate the 50th anniversary of Tidewater Baptist Church. And this is what we'll be celebrating. That God has, listen, that God has ministered faithfully in the lives of many people here for 50 years. It's that simple. We together will celebrate God's faithfulness for 50 years. Amen? Not the ministries of the church, not the pastors of the church, not, how, not the, the, the properties that the church has been on, not the, the building programs that the church has been through, that God has been faithful for 50 years to love people and show them the truth. Amen? And he's done it in many places. We just get to celebrate it. Yes? We get to celebrate it. It's kind of a neat time. 50 years, it's a big deal. It is a big deal. But God was faithful for 50 years. 
Hey, guess what? He'll be faithful for 50 more. The other day we were over at the Smith's house and we were having a meeting and we were talking about the 100th anniversary of the church, right? Now, most of, or almost nobody standing in the room that was having that conversation will probably be there for the 100th anniversary. But there were a couple of teenagers that were in the room and so they'll be in their 60s at the 100th. Think about that. Some of us, some of us, that's younger than you are now. Amen? That's remarkable. And let me say this. I was going to say, the church, the church, if Jesus hasn't come, the church will still be here in 50 years. But that's not necessarily true, because I could fail, or we could fail. But Jesus isn't going to fail. Amen? Jesus isn't going to fail. The same yesterday, today, and forever. All the time. How great is Jesus? How great is Jesus? He's great. How often? All the time. All the time. What has Jesus ever done wrong? Nothing. What's he going to do wrong today? Nothing. What's he going to do wrong tomorrow? Nothing. You know, there are people who can shout hallelujah uh, when a baby's born, but they have a hard time shouting hallelujah at a funeral. God does not make any mistakes. Never. He's never made one. Never. And he's not going to make one today. And he's not going to make one tomorrow. Starting in verse 9. Verse 9 has this kind of a warning in it. It says, that, listen, it, please just hear this. It matters that you trust the word of God. But I promise you that there are going to be people who are going to misuse the word of God to lead people astray. Jesus was very clear that this was going to happen. He didn't say, listen, listen, we already know that there are false religions in the world, but there are also false churches in the world. There are also what we could call them cults or just, um, well, you can call them whatever you want to call them. They're just false churches. This passage says this, be not carried about with divers or different and strange doctrines. For it is, good, for it is a good thing that the heart be established with grace. Not with meats, which have not profited them that have been occupied therein. In other words, listen, look at me. Please look at me. There is an actual historical context to the meats. Remember, remember, you can't come to the temple, you can't participate. You, guess what? You lose out. And he said, no, you don't lose out because it's a spiritual thing. But let me say this. Listen, listen. Fleshly effort is the point. Fleshly effort. Baptists do not, Baptists, independent Baptists, we do not fall into the trap of meats. That's not, a, that's not something that Baptists, now we have meats, amen, come to a fellowship. Chicken primarily, it appears, okay? Okay, we have meats. But we don't fall into the trap of meats as a religious exercise. But here's, what the, here's the trap that Baptists fall into as a religious exercise. Hand out a certain number of tracts, be at all the services all the time, do a certain number of things, and that's good. Now, by the way, there's nothing wrong with handing out tracts. There are good things to hand out. There's nothing wrong with coming to all the services. You could, should come to all the services. But if you're justified by them, then they're traps. Amen? I hand out, you know, I have these little uh, bookmarks, and there'll be many of these. You'll see more of these as we get closer to the 50th anniversary. I have these little bookmarks, 
and I can hand them out. Or we have the track rack, and I hand those out. We can go hand these things out. Listen, listen. And there's nothing wrong with inviting people to church, and there's nothing wrong with handing them a track that tells them that Jesus loves them and wants to save them. Nothing wrong with it at all. But if you somehow feel justified because you did that, there's something wrong with your religion. You understand? And any preacher or teacher that tells you that you are closer to God because of the things that you do does not understand how important the blood of Christ is. You are, now listen, if you are close to God, I believe you'll do these kind of things. Amen? I believe that those who walk close to God will live a certain way. I do believe that that's true. But you will never walk close to God because you do those things. They are the result of the change that Jesus has made in your heart and life. Amen? So let's look at this again. Be not careful. Listen, he said, listen, listen, listen to the preachers and consider the end of their conversation, the end of their life, the end of their ministry. Consider the end of their ministry. And this is what it should be. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. That's what, that, that's what you want. And, but don't, don't be carried about by divers and strange doctrines. For it is a good thing that the heart be established with what? Grace. How did you get saved? How are you being kept? How are you going to grow in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ? What's going to get you to heaven? Grace, right? Right? Amazing grace. How sweet the sound. Amen? It is. Grace, 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 grace. You know what that means? Jesus started it, and he helped to finish it. Yes? And you can't earn it. You couldn't earn the starting of it. You can't earn the finishing of it. You can't earn the middle part of it. You can't earn any of it. That's grace. And that's wonderful. And that's wonderful. By grace ye stand. I stand today by grace, not by works. And here's the good news. Listen, even if you knew me, you'd know how good that is. If you knew my heart, anybody know your own heart pretty well? Anybody glad that grace keeps you? I mean, honestly. Can you imagine, look, can you imagine, and I'm not even talking about what comes out of your mouth. Boy, boy isn't, there a, isn't there a wonderful lesson in what comes out of our mouth? Boy, the day that I realized that what came out of my mouth was not the small little part of me that was a rotten thing. It was an overflow of that rottenness. When I, listen, the Bible teaches that what comes out of your mouth is the overflow of your heart. Listen, not a little bit of it was in there. And there was so much of that in there that that had to come out. The next time you raise your, the next time you're angry, the next time you say something you shouldn't say, the next time that, just imagine that. That had to come out because there's so much of it. The next time you're complaining, whining, anxious, whatever it is, the next time that comes out, you have to say to yourself, there's so much of that in my heart that that had to come out. That's terrible. It is terrible. Praise God that the Holy Ghost wants to change that in you. And he is, by the way, changing that in us. Amen? It's wonderful, but it's grace that's doing it. Now, we're going, to hear, we're going to end here. We're going to end on verse 10 this morning. We have an altar. We have an altar whereof they have no right to eat, which serve the tabernacle. Now, picture this. Listen, listen. There are, listen, I'm telling you, there are people all over America today going to religious services. There are. And it will not gain them access to the Holy of Holies. It will not. It will not. But listen, and then, well, hear me, please. If you're a new creature today, we have an altar whereof they have no right to eat which serve the tabernacle. You and I can go sit down with God the Father and have sweet fellowship with Him. Why? Because of grace. Amen? 
listen, listen. And those that are here serving God with religious effort and those that are someplace else today serving God with religious effort, they can't go. Because just like he said to Cain, Cain, don't bring your good works in here. Don't bring your good works in here. He says it still today. People who are all over America today going through religious services today and saying, because I've gone through these religious services, I now have an approach to God. And he said, don't don't come in here with that bag. Don't bring in your basket of good works. Don't, don't, don't. We can come boldly to the throne of grace. Why? Because of the blood. Really, honestly, you have no idea. You have no, I mean, some of you do have some idea and it just makes me, I mean, it makes me, it starts making me stand on my toes. Really, I mean, it truly makes me want to run around how, how perfect my salvation is. How complete my salvation is. How complete your salvation is if you're a new creature. Nothing can separate you from the love of God in Christ. Amen? Amen? And even if you do it wrong and miss the joy I've planned, no matter what may happen, child, I'll never let go of your hand. That's a glorious Savior. We don't have to earn the right to go to the table to eat with our Father because Jesus already earned that right for us. Amen? But now because that's true... I'm free. I'm free now to serve you, and you're free to serve me, and we're free to serve one another. That's right. That's what it said at the beginning. You're free because he's your helper. I don't have to worry about what men think or what they're going to do anymore. You are now set free to love one another. What a glorious freedom this is. Boy, how much more important it's going to become in the United States of America, I fear, as we go forward to really be set free and say, it's okay if you hate me. It's okay if you think that I'm something that I'm not because I insist that Jesus is who he says he is. That's okay. Really, it's truly okay. And I sure hope he sets you free. And I, and I, I promise you, if there's anything that's going to help them, that's going to help them. Yes? As we, remember remember, remember uh, um, Saim? Remember his testimony? What kind of God says love your enemies? What kind of God? This, 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 is, this is Islamic imam. What kind of God says he read the Bible, right, which is forbidden? And of course it's forbidden because it's full of truth, because it's full of grace and truth. He read it, and he, he read it, and when he read this, love your enemies, he stopped and put it down, looked at it, and said, what kind of God says love your enemies? And what kind of God does say love your enemies? The true and living God says love your enemies, right? False gods say love those that are just like you. But Jesus says, love your enemies. Not let, no, not, not don't kill them. Love them. Love them. Say, I can't love my enemies. Jesus can. And praise God, he does because you were his enemy. Yes? But God commended his love toward us in that while we were yet, Christ died for us. While we were shaking our fists, doing what we wanted to do, Jesus was shedding his blood for us. Amen? Because that's true, you are free to be able to love others. Amen? That's, what we're, that's, what we're, that's the wrapping up part of Hebrews. All these great things that Jesus is better, 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 better. And now you're free to go love each other and help one another. Let them see that. God help us. God help us to be set free. So we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear what men shall do to me. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you that it is indeed quick and powerful. I thank you, Lord, again, that it really doesn't need anybody's help. I thank you that all we had to do was just repeat it today. Just, just, just say it. Look at it. Let it speak for itself. Lord, I thank you that this is so wonderfully true 
I thank you that you so love the world that you gave your only begotten son. And I, and I thank you that all that come unto you by Christ Jesus, you will in no wise cast out. None. You'll receive us all. Lord, I pray that you'd bless. I pray that there's anybody here today who needs to receive so great a Savior that they would receive so great a Savior. And then I pray that all of your children would understand just how free we are to love one another and help one another. Father, bless us. For Jesus' sake, amen. Amen.